The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not contain or constitute and should not be interpreted as any form of medical advice or opinion. You should always seek the advice of your healthcare provider about any questions or concerns that you may have. Hello everyone, my name is Juliana Aiken. I'm the host of the Unfiltered podcast and a co-founder of Unfiltered. Today I'm interviewing Dr. Sarah Spoward. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and she helps individuals to create the life of their dreams and to be strong and resilient in the face of any obstacle. She specializes in a range of issues from supporting children, couples and families who are struggling to helping victims of violence, abuse and trauma. This episode focuses on the narcissistic abuse cycle. We will define it break down its various stages and provide detailed examples for clarity. Let's get started. Hi, Sarah Spoward. It's nice to have you here today. Thank you. Nice to be here. Great. And I want to get started with uh, today's topic right away. And we are going to talk about narcissistic abuse cycle and uh, some other stuff. But so Sarah, What is exactly the narcissistic abuse cycle and what are the different stages involved? Mm -hmm. Well, essentially the narcissistic abuse cycle, there's different theories on the approaches that it takes, but it's basically a way of invalidating someone's experience and shutting them down so that the narcissist maintains power and control so that they can keep using the other people for their supply. So for a narcissist, generally speaking, and what we understand now is that it's more of a spectrum than just black and white. Although some people fully, like really pretty much embody it. And so you could really label them more strongly that way, but it's more of a spectrum. But generally speaking, they use other people for their own needs kind of like imagining each person as their own bank account and and they can withdraw so if they feel any threat to their supply to what they want to get from that person they feel very reactive and so this threat to their supply triggers the cycle so Normally, in the beginning, there's something called love bombing, and this is sort of a this is a very well known phrase now. Um, and by the way, I also want to point this out. Oh, sometimes narcissism is thrown around in our society, at least in my society, like an insult. Um, people throw around the terms love bombing, gaslighting, more and more. They don't really understand. They don't always understand what they're saying. Um, narcissism is actually a mental illness it is uh, a type of mental illness you're not seeing the world in the correct way or general consensus type of way and your your perspective is skewed and you're suffering actually quite a bit so and you're causing other people suffering so it is a mental illness so I want to just say that first mm-hmm. um, it's not an insult So the first stage is love bombing. With love bombing, the narcissist, they idealize. So let's say, and this can happen with families. It can be if you have a parent um, and they are uh, love bombing a child, um, let's say. They buy the child a whole bunch of things or they take them on some kind of trip. They shower them with 
what they think will be the attention that they're wanting. This is more, though, a way of gaining back the power and control. Um, You could say it's the entry point to the cycle. In romantic relationships, it can be seen as the person being really seemingly emotionally vulnerable. It's a way to bond. It's the love bombing stage is actually essential because it's sort of like your hook into the cycle, but it's an illusion. Um, You know, maybe let's say they take you on a fancy trip or buy you a bunch of stuff or are really, really kind and loving to you. It's, it's an act. Uh, Maybe they did this on credit cards. Maybe, maybe they're not really that nice. Maybe they're just copying things they saw in movies. It's um, largely uh, an act designed to hook you in because you are actually the valuable one. You you are actually the prize. You are actually the supply, not them. Mm, okay, I do have one question about this. Uh, I don't know what are your like thoughts in general about like I have seen that people have kind of categorized like different types of narcissists. Let's say that there is a like more malignant type of narcissist who also exhibits maybe more like sociopathic traits, and you know it's very kind of quote unquote evil in that way. Or maybe not even quote unquote, but anyways, uh, <laughs> like like very like dangerous, uh, like in in their own way. All of them are very harmful, but uh, or I mean their behavior is very very harmful. Then like for example, like more you know vulnerable narcissists, it can look very different from like grandiose narcissists, like always playing the victim in a way. And so when we know that there are, or I don't know if you agree, but if there are like kind of that they do you seem to differ a little bit in, for example, the way that they try to get the narcissistic supply or in other ways? Uh, does it mean that the love bombing stage can look like a little bit different depending on which type of narcissist you are dealing with? What are your thoughts? Yeah, of course. Um So, and again, this is part of our evolution and understanding what this is about. There's a saying narcissism is the oldest personality construct and the least understood (laughs) so we're still learning more and more um and the dsm-5 doesn't even catch up to where we are right now in our knowledge and the most recent understandings so i just want to say that well one way to really understand it is they play the cards they've been dealt so And the same person can actually take on different types of narcissistic uh, categories. So they basically, you could say it's a mask that they're wearing, like an actor in a play. And they're not really that person. But they learned, hmm, if I act this way, I get all this attention. I get all my needs met. I get all this supply. They don't realize it's supply. But they, they figured out, okay. If I'm a, if I, it's not a conscious thing necessarily, although maybe it is sometimes if I'm a malignant narcissist. So if I am aggressive, nasty, mean, and there can be criminal behavior with this as well. um, If I hurt people, then I get what I want. So that might be more like if I come home and I beat my wife, then I get all the supply I need because she's so afraid. Um, that would be more the malignant narcissist. Uh, and the and the thing with all of the types, 
is they don't have empathy or they have very little because they care about themselves. It's about serving their own needs at all times. It's always that they are special, entitled, and their needs come number one. Another type um, we have identified is the covert narcissist. And that is when they, they can seem like a victim. They can seem like really depressed or sad. It can be, it can even seem like they're sick or you just, you feel bad for them. And so they get power and control over that way. Um, maybe they started off suffering with something and then they figured, oh, I get a lot of attention this way. This is a great way to get my supply. I'll just amp it up. And the thing with these people is they do not want to get better. They, um, they manipulate everybody with their victimhood, um, and with their, uh, their different approach, whatever they've sort of glommed onto that makes them special. Um, an example could be like, let's say they lost a family member. They really glom on to that so that like hold on to it so that they feel like they're special because of all the attention they got because of someone passing away, which is terrible, but they use anything they can to get sympathy, um, which is power control. Another kind, um, so I said malignant, I said covert, another type, um, which I actually think is the hardest one to see, but it can actually be very destructive in its own way is something we've now labeled the communal narcissist. That's somebody who acts really nice. <laughs> they're not actually nice though. They're pretending. Um, maybe they seem really active in the community. Maybe they seem like they care. But the thing is, everything is about them getting attention for all the great stuff that they're doing. Um, so they get attention for seeming like they're good. But in reality, they don't actually care about the people that they're helping they just found another way to get the supply that they want. Um, and then I guess you could say the other fourth type is just your run-of-the-mill narcissist uh, that we have in the DSM-5, which sort of the original, original flavor. And that is somebody that thinks they are entitled, they're special, they have grandiose thoughts about themselves. And yeah, so another way of looking at this is people will wear whatever mask helps them get the most supply and the most power control. And the same individual will change their mask, their role, like an actor in a play. They will change it if life circumstances changes. So they can start off being communal and then switch to covert and even switch to malignant. It doesn't have to be that you're stuck in one of the boxes. Mm, okay. Interesting. Thank you. Um, I was thinking like, would like, I don't know if this is too simplistic, but like, let's say that a malignant narcissist would, for example, love bombing stage in their case look like, I don't know, they buy you a new phone, but then there is a like, you know, GPS tracker installed because this co control, like very, you know, need to really, you know, know where you are, but then they, you know, mask it in a way that they buy you a new phone or then let's say communal, they track you into their charity events and really make you feel involved in their mission or then the covert, you know, I don't know, a lot of 
uh, time spent together very early, like very being very like sharing, you know, intimate, like they share their struggles and kind of gain the sympathy, like you already described. And then maybe grandiose kind of the, I feel like the mainstream, you know, idea of love bombing, like just a lot of attention and, you know, gives whatever is their financial situation and, you know, stuff stuff like that would you agree or what are your thoughts about this yeah so it's it's more of a they try out different weaknesses so wherever your weakness might be is something to look at because again you are the prize you are the prey (laughs) um you are the supply that they're wanting so they'll test out your different weaknesses if they find you have you could say a weakness, even though I don't think it's a weakness. It's just a way to hook in to get power and control and influence. If you have a weakness with helping others, like you think people that help others are the greatest, they might pretend to do that, even though that's not what's really going on there. Um, and I've heard it said that a narcissist only needs an audience of one. I don't know if that's necessarily true. What I think it is, is more they need a certain level of narcissistic supply and everyone's, every narcissist level of narcissistic supply differs. So some it's like a bottomless pit um, and others, it's just, they want one person and they want power control completely over that one person. But the thing is they constantly need supply without the supply. They feel empty. They feel dull, dark, very depressed, sometimes suicidal. They they can't stand it. So although the best way for them to heal, quite honestly, and we've, we've made some strides with this. I've actually had breakthroughs with therapy for people with narcissism. And it's I truly believe it's the next frontier with therapy. We are making more strides. It's tough. Because the nature of narcissism and the nature of personality disorders in general is they don't believe they have a problem. They believe it's everyone else. Um, The lack of accountability, the lack of of self-awareness, but it is the next frontier. So it's more in relation to um, how much supply that they're needing. But yes, they they change their mechanisms to base off what they think is your weakness. So if you need a phone, they might push a phone. Um, If you care about uh, charitable events, they might push that. If you, I've seen this with people that um, if if you really care about knowledge and learning and wisdom, they might act like they know everything and they will take on whatever role like an actor will get them the most supply. Their goal is supply and they will check in on your weaknesses to figure out how to get that supply. Mm, okay thank you for clarifying that that made me think that that sounds well yeah they are like trying to figure out your weaknesses or vulnerabilities or in just in general kind of who you are as a person to kind of would you agree that they're kind of trying to create this perfect match for you and is that called mirroring so would you say that in love bombing stage what essentially is happening is that they are pushing really hard to create this image, this mask that you wear, this act that feels like is perfect for you, while also at the same time gathering information about your vulnerabilities and weaknesses. So 
in order to get narcissistic supply, which is their goal. Yes. Yes. Cause they don't really love you. They don't really love anybody They're They might have a little bit of love, but their amount of love is very limited. Um, because they don't have it inside of them to give, generally speaking. Usually a sign of also narcissism is if they try to give love, sometimes it might come in the form of things. Um, but yes, they can try to mirror. They try to, if, if let's say your weakness is soulmates or your weakness is having an amazing mom or an amazing dad or whatever, they will try to mirror that because that's your weakness. If you don't care at all about... Um, a soulmate, if you don't care at all about having a great relationship with a family member, then they don't have an in. What you're wanting, what you're needing is your weakness for them. And that early stage is a way of them finding out, you could say tapping in to what your weakness is. If you've always wanted some great, you know, love story, this amazing family life, that's their in. If you've always wanted someone who knows everything and can just really be a, a leader with wisdom and, and insight, then that's their end. Um, they will mirror back whatever is a way to hook you in for your weakness. Because mm. you are the prize. You don't know it, but you are the prize, not them. Mm, okay. Thank you. They that... need you, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Then... uh I would like to a little bit like you mentioned already, like that this happens also in kind of family relationships, but could you talk a little bit more in detail? For example, how does love bombing, you know, kind of differentiate when it's between, let's say a child and narcissistic parent and um, yeah. Can you a little bit talk more about that? Yeah. So this is some of the most heartbreaking stuff I see is when somebody's is a small child and their parent um, has narcissism or worse. They even have sociopathology uh, or malignant narcissism. It is heartbreaking because it really hurts the child and the child has to make sense of this unstable world that they're living in. So unfortunately our society i don't think is quite there yet where we're understanding the intense abuse that children of narcissists go through but um it's the same kind of thing where they love bomb them um and then if they show any signs of needing or wanting something of their own the narcissist pulls away or punishes them they feel abandoned and then the child learns it's not safe to have their own thoughts and feelings and it just creates this cycle. Mm, okay. Thank you. Uh, speaking of this cycle, after love bombing, what what comes next? So after love bombing call, comes what um, some people term the fall from grace. So at this point, the individual does something that slightly upsets the narcissist. Um, and that they become disillusioned with them. So, for example, let's uh, let's say that a narcissist is with you because you look really good. And so it makes them look good. And you're kind of a sexual object for them. If they want to go out to dinner and you 
don't want to get up let's or get dressed up let's say you just want to like i don't know wear sweatpants or you just want to go in your gym clothes like you just don't feel like looking like some sort of object they won't like that it's a perceived injury like how why are you doing this to me why do you want me to look bad outside no i mean this is just that they don't maybe don't have the energy to get dressed up but it's a perceived insult um anything where you're having your own needs thoughts wants that doesn't align with their supply is the fall from grace they feel like you're hurting them and they will punish you you're not allowed to have your own needs wants and thoughts you're just not allowed okay and what are like so now i understand something happens where you upset the narcissist because you your behavior or you saying or stating your needs or trying to or thoughts uh, prevents them from actually getting the narcissistic supply or they're afraid it will prevent them so Um. any boundary it makes them afraid so like let's say it's sort of a simple example but it's kind of a, a good classic one uh, you don't want to get dressed up and look kind of like this sexy object for them. It's a perceived threat because you haven't even left the house. You haven't even said, you, you haven't even gone out and not gotten dressed up. You're just saying this is something, you know, I don't want to get dressed up. It's a, it's a perception that you're, you're stepping out of line and that is not allowed to a narcissist because they feel you were there for them to serve their needs almost like you're they own you they think (laughs) they do not own you but they think that you're sort of a possession that needs to be managed Mm, okay so can you talk a little bit in more detail kind of what are all kinds of behaviors that the person with narcissistic traits might exhibit in a case of when you set a boundary or you say that you don't want to do something, you try to say your thoughts or needs, and then that's kind of the thing that upsets them. So can you just, you know, uh, talk more in detail of the different behaviors that they may exhibit so we can really kind of understand this stage? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So after this, you could say the next part is that the narcissistic injury uh, occurs because their perception that you've stepped out of line. Uh, usually you could say, although it depends on the type of narcissism, but they start off slow. They don't usually, you know, get to the point of full rage at that early stage. Although if they're very abusive, if they are using drugs or alcohol, if they're more malignant narcissists, they could, they could trigger right into full rage very quickly if you're showing any sort of individuality or asserting any individual need um but that being said usually at this point what they do is they start to devalue you they start to put you down they might make some threats um they might say something like well i'll just go out by myself um there's a lot of hot girls out there I know that they're, they'll want to talk to me. So it's kind of like trying to flip it. 
So you're devaluing the person and they're maybe they're uninvited to dinner. <laughs> and so the narcissist is trying to make it known that there's, you know, you don't matter. You stepped out of line. I'll find a replacement. Um, all you did was maybe say, I don't feel like getting dressed up. So I'm just using this example to show how ridiculous it can be. But this is how much they need you. This is how bad their need, not so much you, but supply is. Their need for supply is. And supply is largely attention. They want a lot of attention. Um, so the next thing would be they devalue, devalue you. And the way that they devalue you is based partly on what you could say the intel or the information they figured out during the love bombing stage. If they know... Because that's also the stage to find your weaknesses. If they know that you are afraid of being abandoned, if they're afraid that you're going to cheat or leave them, then you saying, well, whatever, I'm just going to go out anyways. And I'm sure there'll be other hot girls there. Then that triggers your own stuff. So you're like, okay, no, 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 I'll get dressed up. You know, don't leave me. Don't, don't do this. So are they really going to go out and find other girls? Who knows? But it's not about that. It's about making you feel that you don't matter and devaluing you. Because the reality is you do matter. And they do need your supply. Um, or they think that they do. So if you, but count, countering that, if you have no weaknesses, which is very tough to get to that point. Mm-hmm. But I have learned this. If you get to the point where you have very little weaknesses, or you just don't care, it changes the game. Because if the narcissist says, first of all, if they can't find your weakness, but then the narcissist says, well, I'm just going to go anyways and and meet other hot girls. And if you're like, okay, bye. You're ending the game right there. It's a game. You're kind of, it's like a prey and predator type of game. And what can happen at that point is they might rage more and they might try to tap into more of your weaknesses. But if you truly have gotten to a point where you are solid and there's not that much that can, which is really tough. That's a lot of work on yourself, but could And the thing is in relationships, you should be able to be vulnerable, emotional, intimate. So to have a relationship with a narcissist is kind of, you can't have that because they will use your weaknesses against you. Yeah. Um, I have a couple questions. You mentioned like um, they start this slowly, so they might not um, excluding like uh, some some type of individuals. And but anyways, they usually start it maybe slowly so they don't go into this full rage immediately. When you say set that, do you mean that, like, for example, when the cycle happens for the first time, so for the very first time, there is this love bombing because you just meet them. And then there comes for the very first time, the situation where you quote unquote, step, step on uh, over the line and, you know, piss them off. And uh, then that's going to be the first time that they show how, uh, how upset they are. Uh, so do you mean that in this devaluation uh, space when the cycle, well, I know we haven't yet kind of gone through the whole cycle, but 
when this cycle happens again and again and again, the devaluation phase also can become, you know, worse and worse. Yes, it can. Okay. It can become worse and worse for sure. And the love bombing, it repeats over and over. Um, that's why it's called cycles because it repeats and repeats, but that doesn't mean it doesn't get worse and worse. So <clears throat> the devaluing, it's very sad, actually. I've seen some situations where the punishment is someone cuts off contact from them for an unknown amount of time. They'll just ghost them for days, weeks, sometimes months as a punishment so that that person never, ever steps out again, never has their own wants or needs again. They want it to be that it hurts so bad that they don't step out of line. But the person didn't step out of line to begin with. They were just asserting their own needs because we don't exist to serve the narcissist. We exist as individual humans and relationships are supposed to be partnerships, interactive. It's not, I am a servant to the narcissist, but that's how they, that's how they see it. Mm. Then another question about this devaluation phase, you mentioned that in the devaluation phase, devaluation phase, the narcissist may use or usually uses uh, the vulnerabilities and insecurities about you that they learned. I'm now thinking about this in the family context when you have a narcissistic parent and a child. Like, of course, the parent knows the child like inside out or is trying to shape the child into, I don't know, whatever is their image like uh, of what what they want that the child is anyway is that the how does the devaluation phase differ when it comes to like a family relationship is it worse yeah it is it worse i think it depends so like i had said about it being a spectrum let's say from one to ten ten being the worst level and one being the least um a parent falls somewhere in that spectrum if you have a parent that's more like a nine out of 10, it's a different situation than a parent that's more like a three or four out of 10 narcissist. <clears throat> so, but either way, a child will eventually figure out that the, the parent is not safe. They will eventually figure out that the parent is not someone that they should share anything with because anything will be used against them. But the other thing that can happen is the child might desperately work for their approval. The child might um, try to be, I don't know, like let's say the parent really cares about soccer or football. I mean, it doesn't really matter, whatever sport. The child might try to become really, really good at it or spend time with them learning about it. Um, they will try to do things to please the narcissist, but nothing can ultimately please the narcissist because they are sick inside. Their their sickness is inside of them and that's what needs to be healed. And their sickness spills out and hurts others around them continually. Um, so like, let's say that the narcissistic parent wants to feel like their child is the best well, that child might try to be might ha try to be 4.0 student, um, superstar athlete, really popular. Might try to do all these different things. 
Or conversely, they might go the other way and get involved in, in drugs and alcohol because of their own emotional turmoil from the stress of living with this person. Mm. Yeah. It's very damaging. It's very, very damaging to children. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's not that they're educated about it either. They're confused. And this person that they're relying on for their life is treating them badly all the time. Yeah. Uh, they don't, the child doesn't feel loved. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, since you have worked with uh, individuals who have gone through like narcissistic abuse, are you able to kind of say like, what are kind of the common, you know, feelings what people have when they are in this devaluation phase like how do they describe it to you when you you know help them or talk to them with them yeah well a lot of times people don't even know they're in a certain phase or stage of the cycle they just start to believe the narcissist and that is another thing if you stop believing them it changes the game um like if the narcissist, like with the example I said about getting dressed up and going out, if you don't believe them, if you think, no, you're not, you're going to go out and wish you were with me. Like you're not going to meet any other like hot girls. Like what are you talking about? If you stop believing them, it disempowers the whole, the whole dynamic. Okay. Uh, yeah, it just must, might be you know, frightening also. And especially you're like kind of not able to stop believing them if you have self-doubt, right? Like a lot. And that's part of the cycle is that people's confidence and self-esteem gets beaten down more and more and more. Because guess what? People are easier to control, manipulate, get all the supply you want when they're broken. So when they have no confidence in themselves. And so they actually, they want that. They want to break you. It's terrible, but true. Um, another way of understanding is, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's like if you, let's give the example of a narcissistic supply being like a bank account with a million dollars. And you are the one that has the code. They're trying to break you so they can get the code to get the million dollars. They want your attention. They want your love. They want whatever it is that they're getting from you, whatever type of supply they get from you. That's what they want. They don't want to have any restrictions to accessing the supply. Mm. So the devaluation tends to get worse and worse and people tend to internalize it. And this can be largely what keeps people stuck in these relationships is that if you feel, if you've really gotten to the point where you believe no one's going to love you, no one's going to want you, um, or like with a parent that's this way that you're going to, you're going to die without them. If they've broken you so badly, you will not leave. Mm. Yeah. That's what they think. So that's why you have to have support. You have to have education. You have to understand what they've done to you they've beaten you down mm. and it can be through physical violence sexual violence um, but it can also just be with words and and uh emotions which are very powerful 
Yeah. Okay, after after this devaluation phase, what's next? Yeah. So this next part of the phase, I agree and don't agree with it. Is uh <laughs> the partner confronts the narcissist over the devaluation. I agree with it because if you're kind of a newbie, like if you're sort of new to the whole narcissistic thing or you're new to um uh the cycle with this person you might say something you might say you know wait a second i i'm tired i i don't feel like getting dressed up like what's the big deal you know this is it's not really fair of you to expect this of me but if you've been conditioned because you've been abused so many times in the cycle you won't say anything at all mm-hmm. because what's the point You'll internalize it and think, yeah, I'm really bad. I should, I need to go do what they're needing. Um, and you'll give into it. So it depends on your level of conditioning. It depends, you could say, on how much they've broken you. Um, so the less broken you are from them, the more likely you will speak up and say something to them. And then that will kick in the next stage, which is the narcissist defense mechanism. Um they don't like it. They don't like, let's say you do speak up. First of all, they won't like, even if you just said about the example I gave about not wanting to give up, get dressed up, the get dressed up. That alone is enough to upset them, probably. But then if you confront them, oh my goodness, that's not allowed at all. That's you not being their little slave. That's not allowed. You know, an object's not supposed to speak back. I'm just sort of saying that, you know, metaphorically, but it's true. So they will go on the attack. And the way that they attack depends. It depends on what they figured out works for them in the past. It depends on what they figured out um, are weaknesses. The way that they go on the attack, it just depends. So... If they figured out early on in the love bombing stage, your weakness is abandonment. They will go on the attack about abandoning you. Um, if they think your weakness is being afraid of money, they will they will attack you in that way. They they were this is the part where they react back. So it can be other things like projection, um, blame shifting, stonewalling gaslighting circular conversations where you're like what are we talking about like this is so confusing they do whatever to get you confused and have the blame shifted back onto you so that you're apologizing to them by the end of all of it Mm. sometimes you're apologizing just to make it stop yeah 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 uh And another thing you could say that happens is splitting. So that would be the next part of this, which is a escalation where they split. And it's very confusing um, because this soulmate person or this amazing mom or amazing dad or amazing whatever that you thought you had met during the love bombing stage changes and they become this monster or they become this other person that you don't even know what is happening 
And it doesn't make sense because it's over something so little, like an example I gave about not wanting to get dressed up. It's over something you're like, what? Why are you, what are you doing? Um, so at this point, when you see such an extreme reaction is common that the person tries to fix things, take responsibility. They, they don't know what to do. It's very confusing. And then the next stage after that can be discarding where the narcissist here is likely to abandon you or do something harsh to punish you. Punish you because you didn't even do anything wrong. <laughs> so all you did was assert a small need or boundary. But that's not allowed because their goal is possession, ownership. You are their object. You're not a person. Stage after this would be doubt, where when they ex- they react in this very extreme way, you start to doubt yourself. Your self-esteem is going down. Um, you, you feel like, oh my gosh, maybe this is my fault. I did something terrible. I don't understand what I did, but it must be bad that they're reacting this badly. And then you go back to the love, you reflect back on the love bombing stage and think, okay, well, that's who they really are. We just need to get back to that place I don't know what happened here, but I must have done something because I can't believe they're this upset. I need to fix it. And then the next stage after that is something called um, hoovering, but it you could also think of it as vulnerability. And at this stage, the narcissist comes back in and you're very susceptible to them coming back in and you apologizing and taking full responsibility, which is all craziness to me. It's all crazy making because... What are you taking responsibility for here? Uh, with the example I gave, it would be saying you didn't want to get dressed up. Um, and then after this stage, it's restoration where you reunite and you're just so thankful to be back with them. And then you think you're back in the, you know, back with your real soulmate or back with your good dad or mom. And you're back with the person you know and love. So that starts it over there's something called stage 12 no contact that would be some people think the only way to end the cycle um i don't know if that's entirely true i I have seen with some narcissists yes no contact is the only way to end the cycle because it's a game you can't win and the only way is to stop playing it um if you interact in the cycle at all, you're participating in this craziness and you are making them worse. You're you're making yourself worse, but you're also making them more sick. Every time you give in and do the stuff that they want, it grows their narcissism like watering a plant. And I have seen people get worse with narcissism and I've seen people get better. And so you actually hold a lot more power than you realize. If you say, no, I am not participating in this. That's powerful. And if that happens enough in their life, because everything they do is because it's a perceived benefit to them. If they stop finding they can get their supply by manipulating and punishing people, it if they learn that it's not getting them what they want, eventually, depending on how bad the narcissism is, they might start to question it. The worse the narcissism, the less likely they are to question anything. But... If you don't participate in this sick, toxic game, then 
actually helps them and it helps you. I know you had asked me the questions before, what is it that keeps people stuck in this cycle? And Mm. a lot of it is hope. It's something that I call toxic hope. I haven't come across the phrase toxic hope um, yet, but I, what I mean by toxic hope is hope like a spectrum. If you have too much hope for a situation that doesn't warrant it, you're hurting yourself. When you believe if I just do what they want, then everything will be okay. We'll get back to how things used to be. Toxic hope is very tied to radical acceptance. When you radically accept this is what's happening, and sometimes if you have to track it, like a mood tracker, like track the cycles and the events, like in a detached studying kind of way, like you're your own scientist, um, the hope keeps you going. But if you realize this person has no love, this person is using me. This person needs me. This is a game. This is a manipulation. You're facing reality and you're you're giving up on what you, the hope that you can win this game because you can't win it. Mm, yeah. You win it by, you stop playing it. To make understanding the narcissistic abuse cycle a bit easier, I have put together a simple PDF. It's based on the wise words of Dr. Sarah Spoward from today's episode. This narcissistic abuse cycle tracking form helps you pinpoint the various stages of the cycle, which could really be a game changer in helping you distance yourself from such situations and seeing the reality more clearly. Just look for the link to download the narcissistic abuse cycle tracking form in the podcast notes. I want. I have one more question about kind of the cycle. Now that we kind of completed and you explained all the different stages, mm-hmm. could you just briefly give some very practical examples of how does hoovering look like from in, when talking in a romantic relationship and then also in a family? Yeah. So in at that stage, it could be that you are feeling you're feeling vulnerable, maybe believe it or not maybe you're missing them like why would you miss this person maybe you're missing them because you're missing the mask you're missing that love bombing stage which is an amazing stage you're missing you're missing what you thought you've lost and so you are trying to make sense of something that makes no sense because the reaction does not fit what's happened it just never it does not never fits it so at that point you're vulnerable because you're thinking okay maybe it's my fault you know you have to if you don't understand about narcissism and you don't understand what you're dealing with you could really try to convince yourself you did something wrong and so you're vulnerable to them coming back in so this could look like um, let's say a partner stops talking to you for two weeks and then they, they message you saying, how are you doing? Um, and a lot of times too, by the way, the thing that they'll do, which is very interesting, they will pretend nothing's happened. They will, this is a very common mind boggling prey predator confusion type of tactic where they will not take, not only will they not take responsibility, they will probably not even talk about what happened. They will just contact you as if everything's normal. 
and just start up the relationship again. And they might go right in to love bombing again. So you are vulnerable because you're sad. You're like confused. This person you, you thought you loved, you know, freaked out and you don't know why, um, or acting this way. So they might just contact you and go right back into love bombing. With a parent, what I've seen, and this is unfortunate because children don't understand, but with parents, what I've seen is they might buy them a bunch of clothes and then just start talking to them as if nothing happened. Or they might take them to a restaurant they like, or they might um, randomly plan some sort of trip. They'll do whatever they're able to. So again, the narcissists use the tools that they have. Um. They will feel out what is the most appropriate way to hook back in. So you could say the hoovering is another type of love bombing because it's it's kind of feeling out, like sensing out, okay, how do I hook back in here? Because again, you are the prize. They need you. They need your supply. Um, some other examples, whatever it is that they think, they know from gathering information on you will get them back in. They will start to use here. Um, you're, you are weaker in this phase because of the doubt and insecurity and because of whatever punishments happened. So you're weaker to the reemergence of the love bombing. In terms of a practical example, it could be like, Let's say they contact you because they just want to say they want to get their stuff back. It's a classic example. They don't really want their stuff back. Probably not. They don't really care. They, <laughs> I highly doubt they care. Um, maybe. But they will try to coordinate a way to see you. They will use the stuff as a way of making contact with you. Um and you are vulnerable at that point because then when they see you or talk to you then they'll start asking how you're doing they'll start saying nice things they'll start acting like you're in a relationship again when you're not um it's it's they use whatever things they can think of to suck you back in and so the sucking back in is like a vacuum hoovering hoovering refers to like vacuuming they they do whatever to suck you back in Maybe there's some mail that they have of yours. Maybe they, sometimes they even lie and will make up things. Um, sometimes they will say something like, something got sent to me that's for you. That's like, I think it's worth like $200. Maybe that's not even true. It might not be true at all. They will say whatever they think will suck you back in. Mm-hmm. Okay. The point of lying. Yeah. Um, then a question about the cycle. You kind of mentioned that uh, it's when it repeats. So yeah, now after hoovering, there is again love bombing. And then at, the, at some point, you know, again, you somehow upset them. And uh, then there we go back to the devaluation and all, all the other, other stuff. Uh, so does this cycle, if it gets worse over time, what is kind of the end? Or is there, yeah, can you kind of talk about the worst, like worst end? 
if it keeps yeah. getting worse and worse. So everybody, because everybody's different. Um, it it depends. The end can be very sad. Sometimes for some people, the end is that, for lack of a better word, the victim of the cycle. Because uh, the narcissist will try to convince you that they're a victim, but they're not. They're the one creating the cycle. The victim of the cycle can become very, very depressed. They can even become suicidal. Um, they then they could start getting into drugs or alcohol. I see with kids, they start doing things like cutting, um, hurting themselves. You start to suffer. You're feeling pain. And so maybe something happens that's bad enough where you're taken away from the narcissist because it gets so bad. It it depends. Every I would say it's a little bit individualized in terms of what ends the cycle. The other thing I've seen is, uh, and that won't even end the cycle. If let's say you're very depressed and even suicidal, that's not going to make the narcissist stop necessarily. The worse the narcissist, the less likely they are to stop because they're not going to think anything about them. They think it's the other person. They think all the other problems are everyone else, which is pretty extraordinary but true it's very delusional thinking they're not in touch with reality so maybe somebody because they rescues them gets them out of the bad situation um and you're so beaten down you can't participate in the cycle anymore so let's say you're suicidally depressed <clears throat> can't get out of bed you're not very good supply at that point so the narcissist might kind of move on or leave you alone or someone else. If you if you are not good supply and you can't give them supply, they will find it elsewhere. So that's one way of sort of ending the cycle. They will, but that's a terrible way. You don't want to be so beaten down that you you have nothing left inside of you. Um, but that's one way. So like a predator and prey, the predator will move on to find its next victim um one thing i've seen if you can become super strong in yourself so that you have very few weaknesses let's say you have a parent that has narcissism and you you don't want to go go full no contact because it's your parent and you want to have some tiny bit of a relationship um you can figure out what needs to be strengthened in yourself so that you can have some type of interaction with them and you can figure out what those interactions look like. Maybe it means you do not share personal thoughts and feelings. Maybe it means you limit your time with them. Maybe it means um, it's a superficial, you know, very limited dynamic. And then once they start abusing you, you walk away, you leave. So figuring out what you can and cannot tolerate, I'd say, is another way of ending. Um, some people I've seen just be kind of become immune to it. Uh, they don't get that affected by it anymore because they, they don't believe the narcissist. When the narcissist acts out, they know this is... Um, this is your problem. This is not about me. This is crazy making. There's a term crazy making. Uh, this is crazy making that you're, like I said about the 
getting dressed up thing that you were acting this way about getting dressed up. They don't believe them. They understand this is your narcissism. This is you trying to manipulate me. And this is about you. This is not about me. So you're able to separate yourself and see, not take it personally. The, the more, the kinder you are to yourself, the more you build yourself up, the less likely you are to believe the narcissist. So the more you strengthen yourself and you believe, you know what? I don't care what this person says. I'm a good person. I'm here. I'm trying my best. I'm loving. This doesn't make sense. The more you can be detached, the less you will be part of the cycle. And then in some situations or maybe a lot, no contact. So you, you just have to cut them out of your life completely because with the hoovering stuff, they will try anything to try to suck you back in. Yeah. Was that clear? Yeah, it was. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I was thinking, have you ever heard that someone would be like questioning if they are the one who is creating the cycle? And it's like not there. It's, so it's almost like they are thinking that they, like I have heard often people like, oh, my, I am, am I the narcissist? So it's kind of refer, like relating to that, that like, have you ever heard that someone might be questioning like, okay, well, maybe I have some other mental health issues. Like, I don't know that I'm like, I have borderline personality disorder. I'm creating this cycle. I'm the toxic one. So they might not necessarily think that they are like a narcissist, but that they are the one creating the cycle have you ever heard of anything like this yeah so you mean the victim thinking yes they are the the problem so okay so the thing with this is that it's all about degrees we all have some little bit of narcissism in us and that's okay there's something called healthy narcissism and this is a newer kind of a concept as well which means you have your own needs and wants. So like, let's say, let's go back to the, um, the, I don't know why, but I just keep thinking of this going out to dinner example. Let's go back to the going out to dinner example. Let's say you need your other significant other to look nice because it's a business dinner. It's a big deal. It's going to help you with your job. Like, it's not like it's for no reason. Like you, you need them to step up and be there for you. Um, and they said they were going to. If they show up in sweats, like it's not going to be good for the business dinner. Feeling upset, like they're not supporting your career. That's not, it's, you could say healthy narcissism in the sense that you're trying to um, take care of yourself, take care of your family, make sure your, your career is good. The problem with the narcissism, it's the reactivity. It's really extreme. It doesn't make sense. So being this extreme, like let's say they don't talk to you for two weeks because you just said you, you don't want to get dressed up. That is insane. That is very different from having some kind of need where you, you'd like your partner to get dressed up for a business dinner and then feeling a little bit upset if they don't want to help support you with your career. Um, We can, sometimes the other thing that happens is people question you know, is it me? Am I creating this? By the way, a lot of people don't even realize there's a cycle happening. So if you see a cycle, you're on your way to healing. It is really good to see the cycle because it means there's some detachment. And I encourage people to track cycles. I've actually told clients this, track the cycles. And they'll be like, wow, 
happens every three weeks. This is mind blowing. I'm like, yeah, look at <laughs> look at the cycles of what's happening. Um, children, but all people, but children tend to do this a lot too. We want to believe we're the problem. We want to believe I'm creating the cycle. I'm toxic. I'm the one doing all this because guess what? If it's your fault, you can fix it. And you can be with your partner that you thought you loved so much or your your family member because you're the problem and you figured it out. But it's a way of coping. And when you believe you're the problem, it's a way of being able to stay in an abusive dynamic. Um, If you decide it's me, I'm the issue, I'm, I'm the one creating all this craziness then it's so that you don't have to leave them. And you can become so trauma bonded, you actually become delusional and thinking you can't live without the person. But really, actually, your life, there can be an addiction with these cycles, the up and down, up and down, up and down. And you get conditioned to crave them and want them. But you can live without them. And actually, your life will be like so much better without them. Um, so believing you are the problem can be a way of coping and staying in the relationship. It can be a way of trying to make sense of things that don't make any sense. Um, it can be because of the toxic hope that you, you want to believe it's you. Um, and you could have some of your own stuff. And so if that is true, cause I, a big problem is the duality stuff, the splitting that it's one or the other. You could have your own stuff. It's just your stuff might be way less than theirs, but on the spectrum, let's say one to 10, maybe you're one out of 10 narcissistic. Okay. If you have your own stuff then it's worth looking at for everybody, it's always good to look at yourself and be like, okay, what is my role in this? And that is not to blame yourself. That is empowering. Because when you start to realize, okay, what is my role in this? What is my responsibility? It creates detachment from the whole cycle in general. And then you can start to be like, huh, this is crazy making. So I do encourage people to say, what is what is my role in this? And maybe your role is just you're believing them. Mm, yeah, thank you. And... um. Then these kind of answers to this question have kind of a little bit come up like over the, our discussion. Uh, and the question that kind of I have is what is it about the narcissistic abuse cycle that keeps people trapped in these relationships and trauma bonded to the narcissist for so long? And I feel like what you have already kind of mentioned, one thing was you get so beat up in the cycle that you uh, like you just you don't think that you can leave like you are exhausted you just are there and other thing that i've felt you said you mentioned toxic hope and then you very briefly mentioned kind of that there could be addiction even uh, mm -hmm. because of the up and down and then you the, believing that you are the problem because then you just keep staying here because you try to fix it and you believe like oh if it's my fault i can fix it i'm the problem 
can you kind of either talk a little bit more about these things or is there something else now i counted kind of four but am i missing something yeah i would say all of it is not seeing reality clearly detachment the more detachment you can have the more empowered you will be um I have seen finances as well be an issue very sadly uh, with partnerships or families where someone can't get away because they can't financially support themselves well enough, but then their confidence is so beaten down and they've been so abused. They don't, it's, they struggle with maintain, they, they struggle with being on their own. So finances can also keep people trapped. Um, So the addiction piece to this when you have the love bombing phase, it's like a high. It's very exciting. You feel like you found the love of your life. You feel like the family you always wanted, whatever, whatever it is that they are projecting to you. Um, I've even seen something called spiritual narcissism where like spiritual leaders be like, wow, I found my teacher. I'm going to reach some great new level of awakening, whatever, whatever you think that you found, <clears throat> it's a, it's a lie an illusion but you get high and you it's it feels amazing and then when they discard pull away all these things you go to low and you want that high back and it can actually become unknowingly its own type of self-centered behavior if you are doing everything you can to get that high back and you're addicted you it seems like you're addicted to that person but really it's almost this maddening um, craving for what you had at the beginning. So in terms of breaking this addiction, I would say, okay, what can, why did you need that high to begin with? What is going on in your life? Because that's a type of vulnerability. Are you struggling with depression? Are you struggling with low self-esteem? Are you struggling with financial problems? What? What made you susceptible, vulnerable for that high? Because if you're feeling good, you don't need the high. There's nothing that they can do that is, they have nothing to offer you. When the the narcissist has nothing to offer you, you can't give yourself, that is a fantastic space to be in. Because you're not dealing with a partnership with a narcissist. If you're going to have a relationship with a narcissist, it is not a partnership. Not really. Um, there's not that much they have actually to offer you. So the biggest thing I'd say is clarity, um, all these things. So the toxic hope, you don't have clarity. You're not seeing clearly. You have a skewed perception of reality that things will get better. Um, with believing that there's love in them. And if you heal the cycle, you'll go back to where you were. That's delusional. That's not true either you're not seeing things clearly um the addiction is the up and down so making sure you know why why did you need that high to begin with so i'd say the biggest thing is radical acceptance radically accepting maybe some vulnerability in you made you susceptible to them maybe you needed love maybe you're a child and you're vulnerable just because you're a child um maybe maybe you're financially not in a good situation maybe you have a you have a your single parent what vulnerability 
put you in this space and work on that vulnerability. So they cannot heal your vulnerability. That's a lie. It's an illusion. You have to heal your own vulnerability. And this is where I think the empowerment can come in and you can become an even stronger version of yourself if you heal your vulnerabilities. Because the narcissist truly has nothing to offer you at the end of the day. They're looking to take from you, not give. Um, Radically accepting how, what vulnerability did you have that got you there and strengthening it, radically accepting the cycle and that they don't really have anything that they have, they can give you, they can only take from you. Mm. Thank you, Sarah, so much. I think we had great and very profound and very insightful discussion about this cycle thanks to you I'm, i really appreciate you coming today to talk about this topic and i want to thank everyone for listening and yeah thank you sarah so much yeah of course uh, yeah it was wonderful to you know talk with you as well and i, I really enjoyed it If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and share the episode with your friends and family. Have a wonderful rest of your day and see you in the next episode.